1: I am Sarah-Jane Case and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I am so excited to be here with you today. We are talking with Lee Fields. Lee is an Enneagram teacher, practitioner, and coach. She works with individuals, couples, groups, and organizations. And she's currently collaborating on a new creativity workshop in her curriculum for children of all ages. I met Lee during my first narrative workshop and I just immediately was like, "Who are you? <laughs> I love you." <laughs> so I'm so excited for you all to get to meet Lee. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks,
0: Sarah Jane. I really appreciate being here.
1: Yeah, so today we get to talk with you about object relations. Can you tell mm. us a little bit about even what what is object relations theory?
0: Yeah, I can fix that in 20 seconds, sure. Okay. <laughs> So object relations theory is sort of outside of the Enneagram, but it's a sort of developmental theory about how as infants and young children, we begin to differentiate ourselves from our caregivers and our environment. And we see ourselves as an object and people outside of us as objects and object relations is how we relate to that Mm -hmm. to get our needs met, basically. And so object relations theory is used in psychological models of all sorts. And the Enneagram has sort of overlaid some theory in with the Enneagram to work with it in that, with that model. Mm.
1: So how did, how did you get into this? How did this become something mm-hmm. that you were fascinated by?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that the Enneagram is broken down in several different triadic Relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And when I first started learning, I was sort of in the Riso Hudson School of Enneagram Theory, and there was a little bit about object relations in that work. And I sort of learned in the the sort of taster sampler of Enneagram, so it was like, well, there's mm-hmm. conflict styles, there's social styles, there's this, there's that, and the object relations one. I didn't really pay very close attention to at the beginning because it was later in the in the workshop or later in the book, and I was kind of saturated by the mm-hmm. time I got there. But then, in working with the Enneagram over the past several years, it sort of kept coming up as a thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to learn more about, and so I put myself in the way of some teaching around it, um, primarily with Belinda Gore, um, who I know you met at the IEA conference in San Francisco mm-hmm. this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, Josh Levine, uh, has done some work with the, uh, object relations and, uh, Courtney Smith, I haven't studied with her personally, but I've learned a lot from her. Um, and so it's just an area where I've really been digging in personally and professionally. I find it to be Mm -hmm. really practically useful.
1: Yeah. Well, I took the workshop in San Francisco because you told me to. I was like, well, this was a really – you were like, well, I'm loving this right now. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to go. Um, and it was probably my favorite workshop that I took. It was so fascinating, so interesting. And it, like you said, it felt very applicable. Like it felt practical and useful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how do you see people working with this? You know, both just – I mean, how do we work with this personally?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's start there. If I'm seeing the people in my life as, you know, I'm starting to pay attention to how I relate to these other people in my life and these objects, like how does that – yeah,
0: where do I start? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, sure. Good question. And I think that um, I'm wanting to go back to the, the term object. Like it feels sort <laughs> of impersonal, right? Um, but it, it's not really that. It's really us as distinct from – other people, ourselves individually Mm -hmm. and other people individually and the dynamic between those. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the ways that object relations work is helpful is that we can sort of challenge our stories, right? It gives Mm -hmm. us some framework to reinvestigate what we're up to, right. And to see these Mm -hmm. patterns and, and, look at our story and say, is this story true? Or is there more to it? Is there another way I could look at it, a different perspective? Mm -hmm. And without having some sort of framework or structure, it's difficult to do that kind of work. It's like we can intend to do it later, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But we need some sort of scaffolding to build off of to be able to see ourselves because so much of this stuff happens so fast and it's unconscious, Right. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the deal with object relations is I think that it's an easy way in because we all experience these different affects in the object relations triad. And I'll, I'll just name them if that's OK yes. um, of uh, attachment, frustration, and rejection. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are like human experiences. We all sometimes are frustrated. We all sometimes experience or feel rejected or reject things. And sometimes we do attach. And This is not attachment like attachment theory. Mm -hmm. Um, This is being attached like connected with, merged with, blended with, right? Mm. Um, We all feel that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when we can notice when we're doing that, When we notice we're activated in one of those ways, that's where we can sort of start to dig in and explore, um, am I reacting to this in the present moment as it really is? Or maybe am I bringing some past experience to this and I'm expecting the same thing that I got in the past? And so I'm Mm -hmm. not relating to reality as it is right now. I'm bringing some baggage mm-hmm. from the past and I don't even know that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the Enneagram is such a really beautiful tool is because it can help uncover those, help us uncover those things about ourselves and have more freedom of choice now, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you see an overlap with the Enneagram and um, object relations.
0: Like, do you find that we can co-use these tools. Absolutely. Um, and if we had a whole day or a weekend, <laughs> we could run a <laughs> killer workshop um, going by type <laughs> to discuss, okay, if you lead with this type, you're likely to run into this pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just for the moment, um, maybe I'll name that our attachment types together are three, six, and nine, the primary mm-hmm. triangle types. Um The frustration types are one, four, and seven, and the rejection types are two, five, and eight, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you and I are banging around on that frustration uh, triangle (laughs) together, (laughs) I know. Um, And so um, there's just a sense that that's going to be where we notice things first, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a sort of uh, special relationship with that. (laughs) (laughs) with that affect right um Mm -hmm. for sure
1: yeah so let's talk can we talk a little bit more about
0: each of these triads sure okay yes um and i will say uh there's so much to dig into about object relations Mm -hmm. but um the basic dynamic of the system is that there is a uh sort of archetypal figure, either a nurturing figure, a protective figure, or a belonging figure. Um, And those are not necessarily individual people. There's no gender associated with any of those things. It's more of a function, a protective function, a nurturing function, or a belonging function that we are sort of predisposed to be um, in relationship with. Like in the frustration Mm -hmm. triad that we share of one, four, and seven, there is a frustration with either the protective function, nurturing function, or belonging function. Mm -hmm. And that relationship is sort of what drives our object relations uh, engine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So as a type four, you would be frustrated with the nurturing function, right? Mm -hmm. So you're... Personality structure builds around providing those things for yourself more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, with the protective function or the you know guidance function, I was I felt like I was missed in those areas very young, and decided mm-hmm. in my pre-verbal brain that I was the one that needed to fix that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I lived that out every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And the four mm-hmm. would be the belonging function, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to set yourself apart in such a way to to belong, to be safe. And it's and that I think is the part that's so critical is that all of this stuff is from such a very young developmental stage, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pre-verbal meaning making that our infant selves our brains were already seeing patterns, recognizing patterns Mm -hmm. and trying to be safe in the world. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: knew that we needed other people to survive at that stage and our brains were already telling stories about what it took to survive and to be safe and thrive. Mm. And, and that's where I think the Enneagram and object relations work so well together because First and foremost, I think the Enneagram being a tool of compassion Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is coming from that awareness. Once we see what we're up to and what other people are up to and that the primary motivation is survival,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, then we can have a lot more patience and acceptance and tolerance and grace and understanding and kindness around, oh, we're just trying to survive in a hard world. Yeah, you know? yeah. And our brain saw that this worked. And so it keeps doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I joke with clients a lot, you know, our brains just want us to be safe. They don't really care if we're happy, you mm-hmm. know? And so when we get a little more knowledge on board, then we can work on making a path for happier <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and I think – I'm curious like having this knowledge, right? If I say, okay, as a seven, I probably didn't receive or I didn't judge my nurturing figure as adequate and I responded, you know, the way that I've responded. Now when I find myself in a situation where someone's just grinding my gears, like rubbing me the wrong way (laughs) – Mm-hmm. Um, where I find myself consistently frustrated, how do I kind of work that work with this information to kind of understand, because you said it can help me understand my story. Yeah. Um,
0: how do we kind of work backward from there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with frustration specifically, mm-hmm. um, there's sort of a striving underneath that right? Mm-hmm. The frustration is I didn't get what I wanted. I knew what I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted or I didn't get enough of what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But I know it's out there, right? So yeah. I'm going for it. Right? I'm laughing because I am
1: I feel like myself blushing a little. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Right. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that hits. That's right. Yeah. That's, um, there it is. Um, and there is that, sort of momentum behind it. And that's for Mm -hmm. everyone experiencing frustration, right? Mm -hmm. When any type, any Enneagram type feels frustration, our natural inclination is to do something to make the frustration go away, Mm -hmm. right? We try to solve the frustration, right? It's motivating, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when you notice, okay, I'm feeling this frustration in my body, right? It's an activating force. It's going to get you getting busy to do something about not being frustrated anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you feel that activation, say it's a small something, you're um, in the checkout line at Target, and the person in front of you is going too slow, Mm -hmm. right? You feel that frustration. And then that's your sort of uh, body signal to be like, hey, Let's check in with what's really going on. Am mm. I really frustrated with this person that's slow rolling checkout? Or is this a like sort of mild trigger of other times in my life when I have felt like I yeah. wasn't getting, I wasn't being taken care of the way I needed to be. Right. Yeah. And so then this person is now sort of representing all the times (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you weren't nurtured or cared for in the way that you wanted to be. Yeah. And so then they're the object (laughs) of frustration in this moment, but it's generating, it's like triggering your brain to start telling the story of how this always happens. Mm -hmm. What does it mean about me? What does it mean about them? I'm never going to get what I want, right? Mm-hmm. And those thoughts are not necessarily um, formed, right? Yeah. it's just this familiar sense <laughs> yeah. coming up, right? But it's yeah. it's really telling those stories again to our system, just in a really shorthanded way because we don't have to think all those individual words because we know this story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so working with the object relations pattern can be interrupting that story before it runs wild with itself again and say, is this really true? Right. Yeah. And then you have choices. You can be like, okay, this person in front of me is going too slow Mm -hmm. and I can either agitate myself further about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: or I can take advantage of this extra minute to take some breaths, notice a couple things that are right, right? Mm-hmm. Like I found most of what I needed at Target miraculously, or <laughs> I'm going to stop at the Starbucks on the way out and, you know, that's going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then for the next 30 seconds of experiencing this too slow pokey person in front of you. It's a completely different experience because now these are some found moments to -hmm. just enjoy myself and be here as opposed to going into my mind, into the future about how this is messing with my schedule and I'm going to be late to the next thing. That's just building more frustration. Right. Yeah. And, and I think this part's really key and I've, I've, it's a big thing to this is a big topic to talk, cover mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. But mm-hmm. one of the things that's been really revolutionary for me about working with object relations is understanding that just because a feeling is familiar doesn't make it good for me. Oof. Right. And frustration is real familiar. Yeah. But it doesn't make me happy. Yeah. Right. And so learning to build my capacity to be with unfamiliar feelings like satisfaction (laughs) (laughs) or or savoring, like slowing down, right? That feels dangerous to my nervous system. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I can talk about that all day long, but if I don't have some tools to help me, recognize when I'm doing it, then I can't, that I can't work with it. Right. Mm-hmm. But working with the object relations pattern and noticing, oh, I'm, I'm striving. I'm here in this moment where stuff is good enough and I am still raising the bar. I'm thinking, mm. you know, next time I'm going to do this or what would have been better yeah. is that. And all of that is taking me away from now Mm -hmm. And it's feeding my frustration tank by looking at looking through my limited lens of perception that this could be better somehow. How could it be better? Mm -hmm. Put it on the list. Right. Which is robbing me of experiencing reality as it is or enjoying any parts of it that might not suck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's, I think important work and in our different triads it'll it'll look different depending mm-hmm. on what our what our skill set is what our natural set point is but it's pointing us to the same thing of being able to challenge our stories
1: mm-hmm.
0: understanding why the stories are there how they got there not judging them mm-hmm. um, not trying to change our emotional reactions to them but just opening up more options for how to engage with reality and then accept ourselves and it better mm. Mm. better
1: today's podcast is brought to you by just thrive and just calm Do you ever get sick to your stomach before a big presentation, feel butterflies in your stomach before a big date, get that one text that sends off your whole day? That's because your gut, not your brain, is responsible for your stress response. There is a profound connection between your brain and your gut, and you need to nourish both so you can perform at your best. Personally, I use Just Thrive Probiotic because it's not only recommended by some of the biggest names in the health industry, but it's also clinically proven and all natural. It's a game changer for dealing with the most common digestive issues like bloat, constipation, gas, and more. And it supports energy, improves sleep, and promotes clear skin. If your gut is healthy, your body will perform at its best. And for next level stress management, I pair the probiotic with Just Thrive's breakthrough new formula, Just Calm. Just Calm's proprietary ingredients have been clinically proven to do the almost unimaginable. They can help you quickly soothe everyday stress, like sitting in rush hour traffic. They can encourage a steady and balanced mood and improve alertness and focus, helping you to finish that to do list. And even help you get better sleep so you can wake up rested and ready to take on the day. Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm make the perfect one-two punch to beat stress before it beats you by supporting the gut-brain connection. I've had several guests on the podcast this year who have talked about the importance of that gut-brain connection and it has profoundly impacted the way that I think about gut health. And right now, when you go to justthrive.com and use promo code EGRAM, you can get 20% off a 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm. That's like getting a month for free. And a portion of every purchase goes to Vitamin Angels, a nonprofit organization that saves the lives of millions of children and moms-to-be around the world by ensuring they get the vitamins and minerals they need to stay healthy and strong. To learn more about this groundbreaking company, don't miss episode 151. Take control today with Just Thrive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I I have this story that I tell sometimes about how I learned to feel my feelings or like mm-hmm. one of the stepping points to learning to feel my feelings, which was uh, I – my husband had gone to this like f- like sacred men's retreat where he like learned about like – detoxifying masculinity basically. And he came back and was like very zenned out, you know, just very like o- emotionally attuned. And we went to wo- co-work at a coffee shop and he went – it was cold in that coffee shop, right? Like I was freezing. I was like working and I was trying to push through and it was so cold. And he goes outside and he stands in the sun and he just warms his body up. And I just get more and more frustrated and grumpy and irritated. And I don't know why. I'm just like, I am so irritated right now and I'm so frustrated. I don't even realize it has anything to do with him, right? I'm just feeling irritable. And we're walking to lunch afterward and he's like, hey, what's going on with you? And I was like, I have no idea. I just feel really frustrated. And he was like, well, where is it in your body? (laughs) And I was like – Oh, like, I i mean, I felt it in my chest. And then immediately I was like, I'm jealous that you stood in the sun. I was cold and you stood—you felt like you could just go stand in the sun and I couldn't get my needs met. You know, it was like I was mm-hmm. like watching you meet your own needs and I didn't feel like I could meet mine and how frustrating that was. And it's so interesting to hear you describe this process because I'm like, oh, yeah, little me was inside going. No one's taking care of us. <laughs>
0: Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. We're cold. We're cold. Like, yeah. who's keeping me warm? Right. Yeah. And and that I am feeling very much for Tiny Sarah Jane inside <laughs> of you, who was cold, and for you, Sarah Jane, who was <laughs> cold. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And still feeling like we can surely tie ourselves up in knots. Right. Mm hmm. We do that in at least nine different ways, right, Mm -hmm. of um, not tending to ourselves in the way that we know we need, Mm -hmm. right? We bargain away pieces of ourselves all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and- That sentence. Yeah. We bargain away pieces of
1: ourselves all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that whether you're talking about object relations or this triad or that triad or whatever thing, at its base, what the Enneagram is, is a map to say, hey, this is where you're likely to get tangled up. Look here first. Let's Mm -hmm. make it easy. Mm -hmm. Start here. It's a problem resolution protocol, right? Yeah. And that I think too is what makes it, what I think is a superior model Mm-hmm. is it gives you a way to work with it once once it shows you what's going on, here's some practical things to do, right? Mm-hmm. When you feel yourself and feeling it in your body is where it's going to start. That's where mm-hmm. the sensations live, right? Mm-hmm. And so checking in there first, like learning that all these different feeling states <laughs> have emotions and thoughts related to them and that brings on behaviors right like this is that's the ball game Mm -hmm. that feeling inside of you pointed you very quickly to the fact that actually i'm jealous that you took care of your own needs and i'm in there not having my needs met yeah yeah um and i would imagine that you might have been having in the subconscious miasma of thought thinking i should be fine right i'm in a coffee shop i'm you know, like, um, yeah. but it wasn't working.
1: I should be able to right? think my way out I of should this. Be able to pl-
0: yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and that just that overriding, which we all do and we're taught to do at very young age, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the first thing people say? Oh, you're crying? Stop crying. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so we all learn immediately to do what? Hold mm-hmm. our breaths.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that'll stop it.
0: Right? Yeah. And- and this, this is object relations in an oblique way, but the drive in all of us to keep the kid from crying is really that we're triggered. Yeah. I don't want to feel sad. So you feeling sad out loud like that is endangering my ability to not feel sad. Yes. yes. <laughs> right? Yes. So let's quickly stop that, right? Uh-huh. Whereas this, and with object relations too, you feel frustration. Where do you feel it in your body? Right. Mm -hmm. That brings you back to the present moment for a second, at least. Mm -hmm. That's not out in the future where this striving is. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's happening right now? You know, Um, we could look at that same example in the coffee shop from a rejection
1: standpoint, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You could be rejecting your own needs, right? Mm -hmm. You, even as a frustration type, you were rejecting having a need mm-hmm. by not taking care of it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then your husband was challenging that by just conspicuously taking care of himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like an animal. Right. Yeah, all willy nilly. <laughs> all just out there being irresponsible, soaking up the sun or whatever. Um, Enjoying again, his
1: life or whatever. And to, right. Like, how <laughs> dare.
0: The nerve. <laughs> <laughs> of being like hey that's a great idea mm-hmm. i'm going to try that
1: yeah Right.
0: yeah um and for whatever reason not only did you not try it
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you internalized a story about what it meant that he was doing it
1: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
0: selfishly taking care of himself in the moment <laughs> right yeah um And I love that example, too, because it shows how um, I think it's a good example of showing how our type is more than a type, because Mm -hmm. like as a stereotype, a seven Mm -hmm. might be um, credited with taking care of their own needs, Mm -hmm. right, of tending to themselves, you know, Um, but it's like. No, that's a, that's a behavior, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's a, a, a reaction that I would have to a stimulus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I'm out here striving to feel a certain way in my nervous system to feel safe. Yeah. You're maybe striving to feel excited. I'm striving to feel perfect, not make mistakes. That mm. feels safe then I do a bunch of stuff to try to keep that feeling going Mm -hmm. that may actually work backwards. Yep. You know, um, it seemed like it would work. It was a good idea at the time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right? But, but I look back and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I've robbed myself of the experience of doing it by picking at it to be perfect.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, Or even if, and I don't feel like that in the moment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: In the moment, it feels like I'm doing the thing. Right. But then I can look back on it and pick the scab that direction. Right. Like it's no Mm -hmm. win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's, um, yeah, that's where we need to do the work. We need to find where the suffering is and focus our energy there because we can, Mm. We can try to fix everything Mm -hmm. and there's just not enough time and Mm -hmm. we won't get to live just, Mm -hmm. you know, and this, and I think the object relations is a place where you can explore where the suffering is. What is the story I'm telling? Is it true? Mm -hmm. Um, If it is true, is there more to it? Right. Mm -hmm. And how can I, choose to have more freedom in my response to what's happening you know yeah yeah
1: so i know the people at home are gonna go wait what about the other two yeah. so can we talk a little bit about rejection and you know w- what that looks like and then how that looks in terms of belonging and nurturing and
0: yes Um, I'll try to do it fast. Um, and I know, I know you'll do, you're so great at doing series on things. I know you'll explore more deeply into other things in in future conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say tiny plug Belinda Gore, our teacher has a new book out Mm -hmm. on object relations. That's, um, very much a workbook. Um, so there's, there's a lot, um, to explore there if people are interested in taking a deeper dive sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the object relations affects are, um, like I said, in our early development, we're born with a temperament. We come into the world. We know that we are relying on these external caregivers to take care of us. And have our needs met, our survival needs met, not our mm-hmm. not our preferences, <laughs> but our actual. Oh my God, I will die if these things don't happen. Needs, mm-hmm. um, and so our brains start seeing patterns in whether or not um, what we want is happening, or needs are being met or missed. Mm-hmm. You know, and these affects come up in response to those. Hits and misses, basically. Mm -hmm. So for the frustration types, um, it's like, I know what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting what I want. Either not enough of it or not at all. And Mm -hmm. so I'm striving to get that need met, right? There's Mm -hmm. a momentum toward that. In our rejection types, it's like, I know what I want. I Got, I didn't get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now I'm not going to need that I, in order oh, to keep myself wow. from being hurt. Again, I'm just going mm-hmm. to eliminate that need. Okay. And then it won't bother me. Right. Uh-huh. And our attachment types are. Um, I know what I want and I didn't get it, but I'll be OK enough with what I got. Right. Um, I'll merge with, I'll, I'll compromise with that and that will be enough.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And so again, as if if we look at object relations through the Enneagram, there are triads where we have these different experiences, but the full human experiences that we all sometimes respond with frustration, respond with rejection or respond with attaching. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can be with different people and different relationships or within the same relationship. Sometimes you're frustrated. Sometimes you're rejecting, right? And I think if you can sort of call to mind like uh, a conflict you've had with your spouse or something like that, Mm -hmm. you can see when you've reacted from a place of frustration or sort of rejection of like resignation or... Mm -hmm. Just okay, I quit. We're not gonna get where I wanna go. So I'm just gonna let that go. Right. Mm-hmm. But at least in my experience, when the time to- the times when I have had that, I'll think I'm letting it go, but I know I'm holding on to it. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. not actually gone. I'm just not talking about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um and so again. These these affects can be fuel. They can be motivating. They can be like sometimes frustration is good, right? I'm Mm -hmm. frustrated that my house is a mess, so I'm going to be motivated to tidy up, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm frustrated with that, and as soon as I finish that, then I see something new to be frustrated about, and then I see something new to be frustrated about, then I'm just always raising the bar on reality. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to be, it will never be enough. And I think that that's one of the ways to look at object relations is how we are different because Mm -hmm. my husband, for example, is a nine and he's like, you're exhausting. Right. (laughs) Like when will it ever be enough?
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. Never. Never. Right, right. right. And it's like, when you put it that way. That is exhausting. That's not sustainable. It is (laughs) exhausting. (laughs) Right? Um, But for for me, for him, you know, I see him. He's he's an attachment type and a nine, which is sort of a doubling down on, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll be like, what do you want? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's in there somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, so we can... I think that we can see, we can view object relations as a way to work with ourselves personally, to have compassion for other people more, but also to open up the gifts of those responses. There's wisdom in those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, they worked. We survived. Yeah. Here we are. We're having this conversation. Frustration mm-hmm. for the win, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm even hearing, like, as you're talking...
1: Areas in which I can see myself operating in all three of those, right? Like I think frustration is 100% like the easiest access point to me. That's like yeah. <laughs> where the information lies.
0: But I also
1: am like, oh, there are times well, like, um, where acceptance is the one I feel like the least in my life. I feel like that feels like very foreign. But my husband will like send me Zill- Zillow links of like houses we can't afford. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. like just be happy with where we are because I can't even like think about this other thing because I need to be okay here and yeah. I, I I've just want to accept what we have and like be in this space um, and it, I don't know, maybe that is like also frustration though. <laughs>
0: I'm yeah. Like, you're like sending me things that I want that I can't have. <laughs> yes. Well, it it, it, it's, it can be more than one thing, right? Right, right. For sure. Um and I I do want to point out to that acceptance of course is that is a heavy lift in my house. Like mm-hmm. I don't acceptance is not familiar. Yeah. Um I could I could I could cite you the date the first time I felt acceptance in my body and knew what it was.
1: Uh- right. I mean, I would love to know what that
0: was like. Yeah, I'll tell you. It was incredible. And I would not (laughs) have been able to name it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I've told this story before, but I was actually in a a narrative Enneagram workshop on Zoom. And um, long story shorter, it was my day to present a thing, and Zoom Mm -hmm. was not cooperating. Oh, my gosh. And I was supposed to go first after lunch. And so – Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can share my screen at lunch or whatever. I couldn't. It was a a mess. Anyway, I tried it. I tried it a second time. I tried it a third time. I had done all the things I could do. I turned the computer off and on, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just left it. I'm like, well, they can't eat me. So Mm -hmm. I guess this will be fine. Very unusual for me instead of just sitting yeah. there for the rest of lunch break trying to make it happen.
1: yeah,
0: I went, I fed myself a food group. I drank a glass of oh, water. I walked around job. the block. I yeah. came back, right? And so I got to my little breakout room. I was like, sorry, I can't share my screen. Um, it won't work. <laughs> and a person in the room said, email me your slides. I'll do it. Nice. I was like, huh. All right. So it worked out. It was easy to nurture
1: yourself. Yeah. Right.
0: And it had not occurred to me that I could send it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I was going to have to do it. It was Mm -hmm. my fault, my responsibility, my, 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 I mean, my, me, my, mine. (laughs) And um, so after the exercise, we were like in a group debriefing how the thing had gone. And I was describing that, and uh, Christopher Copeland, my teacher, said, um, I was like, it was so crazy. It was like time felt slower. Mm -hmm. I felt all this space in my head. Like this was before I had gotten the word that this, this was at lunch, right? Like when I stopped trying and went and had lunch. And Christopher said, do you think that could be acceptance? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. It did it. I think it was. I think it was acceptance. And he said, do you think it could have been serenity? Which is like, Aww. you know, the tip top level of essence quality for the type one. I was like, nope, no way. There has to be something better than this was my actual answer. <laughs> Like, no, it can't be serenity. Serenity has yeah. got to be better than that. But yeah. it was good. And I had never knowingly felt what that felt like in my body uh-huh. to accept what was. Mm-hmm. And now I have that, right? And it's my mission Since actually, that part of the curriculum I'm talking about is actually building a felt sense glossary for yourself, right? Of like, yeah. what does curiosity feel like? What does satisfaction feel like right yeah. and go find those things chase those feelings to be able to name them in yourself where you'll recognize them
1: mhm
0: right because a lot of times our body is going to have a reaction to a stimulus and mm-hmm. there is knowledge there there's wisdom there if we know how to look for it yeah right and so i can um, coax myself back into satisfaction mm-hmm. like a shoe I haven't worn quite enough to break it in mm-hmm. but if I go easy it'll be okay yeah. <laughs> right? but to recognize that in myself and, and object relations just like any of a hundred other ways with the Enneagram is a way to start to recognize ourselves
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lee. I think I need to have you on again. Oh,
0: where sometime. we could do right by where yeah. we can do right by attachment and rejection.
1: Or just keep talking. I just <laughs> I just want to keep listening to you talk. Um Yeah, this has been so just absolutely
0: enriching. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And yeah. I'm happy to talk with you anytime, Sarah Jane.
1: Yeah. So Um, How, so for the people at home who want to stay in touch with you, how Mm -hmm. do they connect with you online?
0: Um, Well, I'm at Enneagrammatic. Um, I'm sure that'll be in your show notes. That's on Instagram Mm -hmm. where I'm not very active because content creation, I leave to experts like yourself. Uh, (laughs) uh, But also my website is at enneagrammatic.com and that's a great Mm -hmm. place to get me.
1: And if you're in the Southeast, and you aren't a member of the Southeast IEA chapter. Uh, um, Leah's very
0: involved, right? I am. And we'd love to have you. And Sarah Jane's in our chapter. We're cooking up some good stuff for next year. Um, please do find us at IEA Southeastusa.org. It's a mouthful, but it's worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Leah, this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me, Sarah Jane. Mm. Um, oh, I almost did push the.